0: One of the helpful things to remember when practicing is we're not just doing this for some distant goal which will make us happy. It's more vast than that. If we can keep in mind the suffering of the world and realize that we're not separate from that, because if there is anyone anywhere on this planet who is suffering not just from COVID, but more tangibly, you might say, the virus is so contagious, we are still in danger. But delusion is so contagious that as long as delusion prevails on this planet, which is seems to be its historical pattern, we are in danger. So when we practice to purify our minds, let us remember that this process of purification is for the benefit of ourselves in relationship to all beings. So that we are a force for blessing a force for non-harming, a resource for goodness. If we are happy, then the chances that we'll be kind increase a hundredfold. It's when we're not happy that we engage in unskillful action. And I should probably add to that if we are not happy and not wise. If we're deluded, if we're we're deluded, we are deluded. As long as we're deluded, our level of happiness is very limited. Because we think we're happy, but we don't know what true happiness is. So may our practice be a cause and condition for the arising of a happiness which is pure, a universal, joyful, peaceful understanding which is accompanied by wisdom and compassion, which is the child of wisdom and compassion. So we meditate in an exalted, uplifted way. Remembering that this little self that we think we are, what is that? We think we're the body, it's not who we are. But we have to discover that for ourselves by investigating investigating moment by moment in the most rudimentary way. If we want to know the taste even of water, we have the sweetest water here in this sanctuary because the water is so sweet. If we want to know the taste of that water, we have to drink it If we want to know the taste of the Dhamma, we have to drink it. We have to open our hearts and purify, create a space inside, within us, a very clear, welcome landing for that Dhamma, for that energy to enter in We have to empty out a lot of rubbish. Little by little, we can do this. And the way we do it is by using the faculties of mind. One faculty is samadhi, samadhi is a strength, it's focusing the mind concentrating the mind, keeping the mind steady and still on one point, keeping it so focused that it doesn't become distracted. This is samadhi. It's like light. If you want light to be sufficient when you're reading, you have to focus the beam of light If it's scattered throughout the room, you will be straining your eyes at night. We are like in darkness here. We need this light. We look at our minds and we don't really see. We're so distracted by wanting or by being fearful, upset, worried. Anxious, restless, you asked about restlessness, and doubt, these are the hindrances that scatter the mind and poison our ability to focus, they innervate and dissipate the energy from the mind. But to be strong, we must focus that light beam of the mind within us so that we can see through the veil of delusion which may have grown up over lifetimes. This power of focusing the light beam can be used in four ways. One way is to focus our willingness, our wish, our intention, our aspiration, our joy to do this work. This is a power. It's called chanda samadhi. It's samadhi, that ability of the mind to direct its attention and penetrate into the pure presence of now. What is arising here? And we do this with that uprising in the heart, that wish to be free of delusion. So we have chanda, samadhi. We really give ourselves to this. It's a generosity. And if we keep consistently practicing with that way of giving ourselves to the practice, then we can overcome these hindrances. That's chanda. And that faculty of samadhi becomes a true power. Then this power of focusing the light beam of our mental energy becomes vidya, samadhi. So our effort to stay present and not to let the mind wander and not to be tipped over by scattered interest or resistance or lack of energy or anxiousness or doubt, all of the hindrances can conspire to feed our restlessness the habit mind that is over-energized, that is trying too hard to multitask in life, will be plagued by that restless energy. So when we sit, we have to be extremely vigilant and turn up the volume on our mindfulness so that we're not jumping from thought to thought, but we're Resting in awareness of the breath. Resting. We give ourselves permission to just stay present. Rest there. It's okay. It means we let go the world. How difficult it is to let go the world. How very difficult but we have to exercise that letting-go muscle. Samadhi, by the way, is the best antidote to restlessness. So, as soon as mindfulness notices that restlessness, we empower our ability to stay present, to be still, to be here. And we give ourselves permission to do that. The world is pulling. You're a mom, you're a dad, you're a brother, you're a sister, you're a student, you're a boss, an engineer, you're a doctor, you're a nurse, you're well, you're sick. Whatever our condition, whatever our profession, let us use the time that we have without judging it, without contorting. i just grateful for what we have. This is what we have. This much we can do, and we rejoice to do it. It's like an emotional ascent. We have a mountain to climb. So little by little. Some people are rushing up the mountain. That's not our... Concerned. We're not comparing. We're doing the work in the way that we can do it. As best as we can do it. And this is a zeal. It is. It's a feeling in the heart. Yes. Yes. We can do this. We can keep climbing. And then there's Chitta Samadhi, which is the devotion of mind to our liberation, to free ourselves. We hold the whole picture in mind. We know there's a mountain. We know we have certain abilities and certain weaknesses, and we honor our limits. We don't go overboard. We don't exhaust ourselves, because then we'll be discouraged. But we just keep perseveringly going, knowing that this medicine of Dhamma has the ability to heal us profoundly. If you keep taking the medicine, yes, when we have mindfulness, and an energetic application of mindfulness and effort to abandon the poisons, then eventually the deluded and wanting mind, the averse mind, all these habits, will slowly erode and fade away. And in their place, healing will come. So the citta, is the application of a very clear mind to every breath, to everyday life. As much as we can. We practice. When we're sitting, it's easier. When we get up and walk around, when people come and go in life, for us it's harder. But we don't give up because we have that liberating aim in the heart. It's like a compass that keeps directing us. Like a concert master, the conductor of a concert is not playing an instrument, but is able to bring a tremendous harmony from all the players in the orchestra, by reminding them of the tempo, by holding the rhythm, by holding the entire piece of music, the entire concerto is in that conductor's mind. And the conductor knows when it's time to slow down, when it's time to speed up, when it's time to be quiet, when it's time to apply more energy. They have a very concerted way of judging and figuring out what's appropriate. So this energy is not only at the beginning, But it's continuous. And if we flag for a while, maybe we need a rest. Just hold it lightly so that we don't break ourselves. We can crawl up the mountain, but it's better if we walk. Sometimes maybe run. If you feel an ebullience, a buoyancy, run with it but then also rest. Mindfully, not too much. Energy and samadhi also have to be balanced. And we can't do this just through willpower, but we also do this through surrender. We surrender to the process. And we understand it is a process. It's an opening. You cannot force the flower to flower. We have to keep watering it. Think of yourself as a spiritual gardener. When you're weeding, you have to be careful not to pull out the flower itself. So if you weed out the poisons in the mind too quickly then we can completely exhaust. Remove all the soil. There'll be no place for the Dhamma to grow when we're that exhausted. Or if we're striving too hard, we become anxious that we're not getting what we need, what we want. And again, this is like a worldly taint of wanting in the wrong way. Remember, the conductor knows, the chitta knows what is needed, and we have to bow our heads to that, and honor our abilities, and pace ourselves, and be patient, pacing and patient. This is what I meant when I said the patience of a tiger. It's that kind of energy A tiger will sit absolutely still sitting and waiting. You don't even know it's there. But we're not waiting with a vicious intent. We're waiting with an intention of absolute kindness, absolute compassion and understanding what is needed. Understanding when To apply the energy more and when to back off. And we don't give up. It's unrelenting. That's why we use the image of the spider who is so diligent. If you take down the spider webs, the little spider will just spin it all again, it'll keep spinning. But we're not eating prey. We're not capturing living creatures. Quite the opposite. We're trying to save life. We're spinning a web of goodness, of kindness, of gentleness, of non-harming. So this is an energy of beauty towards ourselves and towards others. And that beauty is expressed in gratitude and in generosity. So think of your energy for practice as a samadhi of energy. It's continuous. And like samadhi, it is enduring. It's diligent. And the conductor is conducting that energy. In the beginning, maybe the conductor has to, during practice sessions for sure, really direct more and more. But as our chanda, our joyful devotion and our energy mature, we don't have to enforce anything. We don't have to apply, the application is already set in motion, and we just steer it towards the goal. We steer it towards that which supports our freedom. We steer it towards that which supports our wisdom. We steer it away from what is unwholesome, and we steer it in the direction of purification purifying the mind so the conductor is also purifying himself herself there is no self but until we realize that we have to do this work to apply a greater ability to see. This is where insight comes. So the insight into the true nature of how these processes and this application of chanda, of devotion and intention, of joy in the practice, and vidya, this effort, that begins and slowly matures into a river, into an ocean of seamless energy for the goal. And then this application of the chitta. it learns how to direct itself, holding the harmony of the concerto. And as each player plays together as a group, they become so harmonized, intuitively they know what to do. And the conductor becomes simply a reminder. He doesn't have to hardly blink, and they perform well. So the governing of the citta then turns towards itself and realizes what is the true nature of itself. And what is the true nature of these energies, of these sounds? This is through investigation. This is where the wisdom of Vimangsa Samadhi really goes to work. As the mind turns towards itself and investigates the true nature of the breath and the true nature of the mind. And we notice that whatever arises passes away. We have insight. We're alert. And we discern. We examine. We see all things that have the nature to arise, have the nature to pass away. Not just in me, in us, in the sound that we make. Whatever is true for this being is true for all beings. And we also see this concentration, this strong ability to see and know, this knowledge becomes exalted the deeper we penetrate through the veil of delusion. And so every layer that we peel away reveals that universal truth of impermanence to such an extent that at a cellular level, like the monarch, we become transformed. And at a cellular level, we realize equanimous peace, the happiness that is untainted by any kind of suffering, And anything less than that is dukkha. So we see that everything that moves, that changes, that doesn't last, is a source of suffering. And we also see the emptiness of all these phenomena, they have no substance. They are just of the nature to arise and cease. They do not last. They're not permanent. And so this gives us a clue. This gives us deep understanding. A universal understanding of the emptiness of all that we're running after. So we stop running. The mind can stop in that. So if we investigate in a concentrated way, in a persistent way, in a continuous way, the mind will stop in that. This is vimangsa. Vimangsa samadhi is the ability for the mind to give itself to peeling away the delusion. Investigating and knowing, understanding in new ways, examining deeply. And in this way, our view is purified. There are four stages of this purification, the four stages of awakening. So we begin where we are, and we keep going, because we have deep work to do, an ocean of wisdom to fathom. And it doesn't matter how long it takes. We're not in a competition. And if we really have insight into the emptiness of all these phenomena, We know the truth of not-self. That is the anatta. There is no one there, no one of any substance. And this self that we have propped up for so many years and gone to great lengths has been very expensive for us because we are deluded by this belief in a self. But the vimangsa samadhi helps us to finally understand this emptiness. To the point where we see these are 32 parts in this body. That's all, it's 32 parts. Take it apart, where is the self? Is it in the liver? In the limbs, in the bones. It's not in the heat of the body. It's not in the liquids of the body. So we see the elements of this body. Earth element, fire element, air element, water element, that's it, and the mind. This consciousness that somehow rides or abides in this boat, in this vehicle of the body. But then we see even the mind is a process, because every moment of knowing arises and ceases, and has no substance other than that. It's impermanent. It's a moment-by-moment knowing. It's an energy that arises and ceases and we connect the dots artificially and make it into a self. These four ways of focusing and understanding and seeing and knowing and applying ourselves and developing and cultivating, these are four bases for attaining our own liberation. And we're doing it, here and now. Can we just keep doing it? Not give up? Can we sustain this devotion? Can we sustain this effort? Can we sustain this holding it together from beginning to end, seeing the purpose, the intent the path and the fruit, knowing there is a path and we follow it. So we keep directing ourselves on the right course towards that which is skillful and whole and healing and purifying and freeing and wise and kind and joyful. So joyful. There is no worldly joy that can compare with this taste of truth. And at every step can we sustain the investigation. We investigate and keep realizing, because there's so much to realize and to discover until we realize the end. The ending. But there is no ending. There's just freedom from beginnings and endings. We're so afraid of endings. Endings of joy. And we fear the beginnings of pain. But where this path takes us, there are no beginnings and no endings just things as they are, and the simple knowing of the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, Dhamma.